At 1% better each day, what does that mean? And I started on that based on a recording that you sent from me before, but it's not very long and it needs to be fleshed out. So, so where do you see this story about success fitting in? Well, the concept I want to develop, and you know, I can be talked in or talked out of things, but um, we want to define success. And, and in the definition of success, it's this idea of completing a plan. So success and I think succession error are all in the same. This, this, we have to establish that success isn't becoming a millionaire. It is establishing a plan and completing it. And anybody who establishes a plan and completes that plan is just successful as any millionaire in the world. My point is, is that it's more noble, it's more understandable, and you're more successful if you understand the power of creating a plan and completing it. Now, it just so happens that if you have a plan to make a million dollars and you succeed in it, then you'll still be a successionaire you'll just be a millionaire as well as a successionaire. It's not that we're all to be judged by how much money we make all the time. You know, it's this idea of true success is based on the successionaire principle. And the successionaire principle is, is that to become successful in life, you merely have to create a plan and complete it. And then as you stack plan on plan on plan on plan, time over, time over, time over, you will aspire to be a successionaire. I know a friend of mine, his name is Ruby. Ruby is a super cool dude. And I've known a lot of millionaires in my life. But I can tell you that most of my successionaire friends aren't millionaires. They're actually better. You see, Ruby is a guy I met down at the local corner selling me sprinkler parts for my irrigation system. My house requires lots of sprinklers and irrigation. And I had bought nine new royal palm trees uh, to add to my 25 different species in my tree garden. I have an acre on the ocean and I just love collecting palm trees. But as I went down to the sprinkler store, not only two blocks away, I got to meet Ruby. And he was a super cool guy. You could tell he was close to 50. He had a resemblance of a mohawk. Lots of tattoos. He was very tan, sun-weathered. And I noticed right away his yellow fingernails. And I thought to myself, what is with Ruby? You know, he didn't look like a Ruby. The only Ruby I ever knew or ever heard of was see Ruby Falls in Tennessee. And that was the greatest experience of my life to crawl down there and see this cave and this largest waterfall underground in the world, Ruby Falls. And that Ruby Falls was named after the wife of the man who discovered Ruby Falls and named it Ruby Falls. 
So the name Ruby stuck with me. And as I looked at Ruby time and time as I went in, I wanted to figure this guy out. I'm in this process of writing my third book, Your Will Be Done. And I'm just stuck on this whole successionary concept of, I think we overrate what success is when it comes to money and what people are worth, even though I espouse to have over 30, I shouldn't say espouse, I have over $30 million in wealth I've, I've gained. And I want to teach people how to do that. But it isn't because I, I went out to earn $30 million in wealth. It was this idea that I had grasped over the last 15 years of my life of to become a successionaire, achieving a plan that I set out time over again and again, and not to drift and drift again. So as I got to know Ruby, I asked him one day, I said, Ruby, I said, you seem so tan and you got these tattoos and you're here every day working in the sprinkler. And I enjoy having the conversation. But what what else do you do in your life other than sell sprinkler components at a little sprinkler shop on the corner of Cortez in 53rd? He said, well, truth be known, I play pool. You play pool. Yeah, he laughed and his face lit up. I mean, it was amazing. I like I I'd hit an oil well, right? And I said, Well, I, I you seem like an 80s baby. He goes, Oh, I love the 80s. He says, I'm about your age. I go, well, I'm 57. He goes, I'm 50. So I said, But tell me about your pool. He goes, Well, I have my own sticks. And most people don't understand this, but pool is a game of success. I said, I had a pool table and I did like the game of pool. I liked how you had to set up your shots. And more importantly, I liked the idea that you had to call your shot to be successful. And his face lit up. It was remarkable. And I said, so is that what you like? He goes, Todd, that's exactly what I love about the game of pool. And I'm really good at it. And I make a lot of money playing pool. I said, tell me about it. He says, I was just down at Clancy's the other night. It's a restaurant on Cortez, a very famous bar where people gather and play and have fun. It's a, a magnificent place. And he said, I've never lost. I said, you never lost. He says, no, I have to pick my places where I play. Well, I said, Ruby, that's amazing. I said, tell me about your success in pool. He says, let me tell you about one situation, Todd. He says, one situation was about a month ago. I went down to Clancy's and I haven't been able to go back there for a while. I said, why is that? He says, because I entered a tournament for $50 and I walked out with $5,000. I said, $5,000. And he said, yeah, and only 50 bucks to enter. I said, well, no wonder they won't let you back. He goes, no, that's not why they won't let me back because I won. It's because of how I won. I said, what do you mean how you won? He said, let me tell you how I won. I said, Ruby, I'm all ears. I don't, I got sprinklers for days. I don't work. I want to hear about your success and what your real life successful thoughts in life are. And he said, well, let me tell you, Todd, I'm so good at pool that that particular instant, I ran out. I said, what do you mean you ran out the door? He goes, no, no. I thought you knew pool. I said, well, I don't know it well enough. I said, I said, what do you mean you ran out? You, they were chasing you because you owed your bar tab or what? He goes, no, I ran out. I said, well, well, what does that mean? He goes, well, I got the first break on the first bracket of the first tournament. I broke. Three balls went in. And I proceeded to run out and sink the eight ball after a series of six or seven shots. I said, so you ran out? He said, yeah, I ran out. Matter of fact, what it means to run out is, is that 
the other player never got a shot. I said, are you kidding me? So you like won the first round of your, 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 your tournament. And the other player never even got to chalk his cue stick. He said, no, he never did. It's called a run out. I'm, I'm laughing so hard. I can hardly stand it. I said, well, how'd you do that? He goes, well, listen, I'm a great at the break. I have a, a 15 pound cue stick for the break. And then I have a special cue for shooting set up shots. He says, I, I use my special break stick. I smash the cue balls. I drop several balls on the cue. And then I pick the color or the stripe. And I proceed to set up every shot for the next shot. I never shoot just to make the first shot. I always shoot to set up the second shot. I said, man, this is blowing my mind, Ruby. He goes, well, let me just finish the rest of the story. He says, not only did I do a run out on the first bracket, but I proceeded to run out every game I played until the tournament was over. And I walked out with $5,000 and nobody got to shoot a ball against me. I said, Ruby, are you telling me you walked in, gave him $50, and you played 11 games, and everybody that you played never even got to chalk their cue stick? He said, Todd, it never happened. No one ever got a shot. I took my five grand, and I ran out that door for the real time. I was really running out. I said, Ruby, that is the greatest succession air story I'd ever heard in my life. So when I look at Ruby – in the beginning of the story with the mullet and the tattoos and the sun-weathered skin and the yellow fingernails, I immediately thought a smoker, a tattoo-ridden uh, uh, um, certain type of person who maybe not be a successful person because he's working in a, a sprinkler equipment store, supply store for maybe $15 an hour. But he's damn happy. He's successful at that job. But more importantly, he is successful at pool. But what leads me to the story, Mara, what leads me to this whole process or this proposition is this idea of what success is. Listen, Ruby is the probably, I mean, he is in line with Elon Musk. He is in line with Bill Gates. He is in line with Steve Jobs. He is in line with me. He is in line with Mario. He's in line with Mark. He is in line with the most successful people I know in this world because he has a plan and he executes it better than anybody else in the world at that time, almost every time, become a successionaire. So you can, if you imagine, if you master the idea of being a planner and you master the idea of understanding what true success is and you start to layer success after success after success and you supremely purposely focus on the process of becoming a successionaire, your life will never, ever be the same. This idea of successionaire, this idea of success is really what I want to get across, Mario. This idea to you, my friends and family out there, is that success happens because of a plan. But all plans, watch this, all plans must be set up. All success must be set up. You don't have any success in your life. You cannot become a successionaire if you don't create something to set up the success. So to me, it's more important 
the setup of success, the setup of getting to the Super Bowl, the setup to getting to the World Series, the setup to getting to closing the multi-million dollar apartment deal, the setup to buying the five houses on the street, that ability to put yourself in that position to win. Because Ruby knew that the shot he was going to sink was less important than the shot that he was setting up to do the second shot. And the same thing happened with this very story about my father back when I was a boy playing football. We played football and we, we, we had a good team for that season. And I just want you to understand this funny story, this understandable story to double down on success and how to set up success. It was the beginning of my senior year. We, we had every right to go undefeated, but we lost the first game of the year by narrow points, and we were still ended up being ranked fourth or fifth in the state, and we had a run out, just like Ruby. We ran out. We won every game till the end of the season, until the very last game of the regular season of the playoff, and my father, the coach of the team, at the beginning of the year, after that first loss, <laughs> ironically went out and had a Rolex watch purchased. Now watch this. He was entertaining. He was funny. He was delightful. He was angry. He was upset. He was motivating. He was inspiring. He was all the above. But for some reason, after that loss, he started walking around with this Rolex watch on his wrist. None of us had ever seen that Rolex before. And he made it clear to all of us that he had dreamed ever since he was a little boy that one day he would own a Rolex. And his father had given him this Rolex. We all just kind of shook it off and thought that it was interesting at best. We thought it was cool that he found it so important and that he would show it off and let us know that we could aspire to certain things if we believed in them. Game after game, we won. Game two, game three, game four, game five. The games were getting tighter. And at the end of the season, we had our toughest game. And if we won this game, we would be in the playoffs. We were actually ranked second in the state now after fighting back after that first loss at the beginning of the season. But every week, over a week, over a week, over, every now and then, he would find a reason to flash this Rolex and let us know how important it is. None of us were really under the understanding of what really was going on. You see, the setup was at hand. The last game of the year was tight. It was very close, and we all wanted to go to the state championship, but we needed to make it to the playoffs, and we had to win this last game. And the last game was close. And we knew that this team that we were playing was a second-half team, and we came in at halftime, and we were only up by seven points, and we, we knew that that wasn't where we needed to be. And instead of my father coming in all excited and pumping us up, he came in in a fury. We all put our helmets on because we knew that it was eminent, that it was going to be rough. The first person my father addressed in the locker room as we sat on the floors and on the benches to hear this halftime talk was me. He knew I was easy taking. And he kicked me in the foot and told me I needed to play better, that I was not playing to my potential, and I was borderline worthless. The rest of the team looked at that and said, if he's going to be that way, 
He's going to understand and he's going to let us know that we have more and add us this motivational things. And I said, yes, sir, I'll give you more. And he went down the line and everyone said they were going to give him more. And they said that we knew we needed this. And as we started to get motivated and lifted up after we were taken down a little bit, the assistant coach came in and the assistant coach knocked on the door. And my father said, what do you want? And the meek and sheepish assistant coach put his head around the corner. He said, coach, I just got to tell you that you're out of time. It's time to go play. And you could have seen my father's face turn beet red and his head about ready to explode. And he looked at all of us and he said, time, time. I don't have time for this. I care more about these boys than I care about anything in my life. We're going to win this game. We're going to play this game. Don't ever tell me we're out of time until we're victorious. And he ripped off his watch and he threw this Rolex up against the cement wall and the Rolex spattered all over the wall and all of us jumped and roared and went out and just ripped the living shit out of this team. There was nothing but carnage. At the end of that game, we had won by 21 points and game over. But at the end of the journey, the next day, Saturday morning, after I got done working at the donut shop, one of the most Interesting things in my life had happened. My father was out on the porch having a cup of coffee and reading. I said, what a game, huh, Dad? He said, I love that game, son. You played so well. And he gave me a high five with his left hand. I couldn't but help but notice that his Rolex was attached to that very hand. I looked at him, and he looked at me, and he said, son, success is in the setup. I have a whole box of knockoff rollers. You see, success is something that we attain through the setup. My father knew that this watch situation would be needed down the road. He knew he would have to pull that out of his hat. He knew he would have to pull this Rolex, this out of time watch out of his hat. He knew that at some point he might need this extra motivation for us. And so he was willing to set it up 10 weeks before the situation ever occurred, just to put us in the position to be inspired or motivated for success in the watch trick. You see, success for successionaires must be understood in the setup. My father and Ruby knew better than anybody in my life that I could ever remember talking to personally how important the second shot is. That's the successionary setup story. This has been the Wired Differently Experience. W-E-E-X.